invite me to the table and you tell me just to sit and feast. You are not afraid when the terror screaming loud at me. Cause you have overcome and you're the God of victory. Sing, I'm dancing. I'm dancing on the grave, the ones held me bound. Dancing on the chains that are laying on the ground. I'm dancing out of the dark, lighting up the night. Joy becomes a weapon, and I'm here to fight, fight, fight. I'm here to fight, fight, fight. When I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will not fear death. shake their hand depending on how you feel comfortable welcome them to Easter service this morning we're going to continue to worship
search the world But it couldn't fill me We'll sing it out together this morning in praise A man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you Then you came along Putting me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing is better than you I know it's true, yeah. I'm not afraid And I'm not afraid To show you my weakness My failures and flaws Lord, you've seen them all And you still call me friend Cause the God, cause the God of the mountain yeah. is the God of the valley. And there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Come on, church, let's sing it out. Nothing is better than you 
shout of praise. He's resurrecting lives this morning. Man, it's good to be back in the non-virtual service, isn't it, together?
just telling how much you love him, how thankful you are. praise this morning how many people are thankful that on the third day he rose again amen how many people are thankful for the lord our savior amen you can be seated we want to uh, thank you for being here uh, this is our third easter in this building but it's only the second easter that we've been able to to gather together and uh, i am so thankful uh, i told someone that i had bought this coat uh, last year and this was going to be my Easter coat. And uh, so I wore it on the live stream, but everyone didn't get to feel the, the, the full effect. Uh, so um, I, I, it's been hanging in the closet, and I've had people ask me, are you going to pull out that jacket? Uh, and I said, yes, just one more time. And, uh, but we want to thank you for being here. You're looking so great this morning, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, we're excited about what he's doing in, in our lives and in our church and in our community. And I want to thank you uh, for being here. When you came in, uh, you, you may have received a, a little card. And on that card, it just said, if you're a guest, uh, you can text the word welcome to 606-220-6111. And uh, if you'll do that, that will just let us know that you were here. And uh, we would love to be able to follow up with you and just uh, get some feedback on, on what you liked and what you didn't like. And uh, we are always trying to, uh, to get better. 
And uh, so we would love if you, did, if you would do that. If you're uh, regular, uh, you know that you uh, hopefully by now have downloaded the Church Center app. You can check in on that. And uh, we just want to uh, know that, that it's important to us that you're here. Uh, you're more than just a number. Uh, you're a name. And uh, so we're thankful that you're here this morning. Man, Easter 2021. Uh, we're going to start a series uh, over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, as I begin to pray about and think about, God, what would you have me bring uh, for Easter? And so I begin to think about it. And, and let me ask you a question. How many people know that, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again? How many people know that? The reality is, is, is most of us, we understand that. We know that, that on Friday, uh, he was crucified, and then he was in the grave, and then he rose again. But the issue is, is what do we do with that? Uh, we all, we, we try to follow Christ. We understand forgiveness of sin. But the issue is, is that, man, sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it's hard to, to follow after him. And the reason that that is, is because a lot of us are carrying baggage. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? We're carrying around things. We're carrying baggage with us. Now, I want to tell you, I hate traveling. I hate it. I love the destination. It is awesome when I get to where I'm going. I mean, if, if I'm going to the beach and, and I get there, it's awesome when I put my feet in the sand. But it's the, the journey that I, I hate. How many people, how many, do we have any journey people? You just think, I just like to get in the car and just drive. I love the journey. Weirdos. <laughs> Nobody likes the journey. You got kids yelling and somebody needing to stop for a bathroom break every three seconds. And you're thinking, are you, I'm hungry. I mean, and I've only got one kid. I can't imagine getting in, a, in, in the car and uh, somebody left for Florida this uh, Friday. Seven, eight, nine of them, I don't even know. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, oh, it's not that far, 10, 11 hours. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I don't like driving to Chick-fil-A. How many people are destination people? You like it when you get to where you're going, unless it's coming home from vacation. Uh, then you're thinking, man, I have to come back to this. Now, I will admit, after I've been gone a little while, I'm thinking I'm ready to get home. I hate driving. I hate it. I used to work for a pastor that would make me drive everywhere that we went. He may or may not be here this morning. I may or may not have said that first service because he wasn't here. I hate driving, but to be honest, I really don't like airplanes either. I mean, they're convenient. They're, they're a lot faster. Uh, but if you really sit and think about it, it makes me a little nervous that the place where you land or take off from is called a terminal. Think about that a minute. I believe they could have come up with a better name. Uh, I don't like traveling. And you know what I, I hate more than anything is, is the baggage, the luggage. Uh, my daughter is a firm believer that even if we're going away for, you know, an overnight stay, she packs up her entire room and it comes with them. And we're saying, you don't need that. Oh, but I might. My wife hates packing. We're going away for two days, and she's got 37 outfits. Well, it could be cold. It might be warm. I might be feeling shorts. I might, come on, we got anybody like that? Amen. Listen, we had to buy 
a minivan. There's only three of us, but we had to buy a minivan just so that we could go on vacation. It's ridiculous. And if we're flying, it's even, it's, it's worse because, you know, we, we make the conscious decision. We have to, you know, we can't take everything because every bag that you take, you're going to pay for. And so we have all these bags and all these backpacks and, and, and then the part I really dislike is going to baggage claim because you get to where you're going, you're excited to, to, to get to your destination, your, your hotel or wherever that you're going and you're so excited about that but you have to walk to this place where the luggage is just spinning around and around. We normally have two bags that we check and I can promise you it never fails. The first bag will be the very first one to come out. The second bag will be the very last one to come out. So the entire time, and the last time we went, we stood there for 20 minutes just waiting for that little siren to go off. I hate it. People who travel a lot, they've told me that, that, that they have started carrying their bags on. That way they can avoid the baggage claim. Uh, so they, they carry their luggage onto the plane with them. It's become a trend. It's so much a trend that the, the airlines have caught on to it. It costs more for you to carry your luggage than it does for you to give it to them and let them take care of it. So you have all these people who are willing to pay more to lug this suitcase or backpack or whatever it is to pull it through the airport. So the last time that we traveled, I got this bright idea and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. I'm going to carry my luggage. I'm going to carry it on with me. So I get that thing and I'm, I'm dragging my luggage through the airport and it's, it's hurting my arm and it's hurting my shoulder and, and I'm constantly having to hear the announcement that if I walk away from my luggage that someone's going to sneak a bomb in it and I'm going to be put in jail. If you fly, you know what I'm talking about all the time. But we do all of this to avoid baggage claim. And so they're, they're, we're willing to, to carry it all through the airport, as inconvenient as it is, just to claim, avoid claiming our baggage. And that's so true in life. All of us are carrying baggage. All of us have things that we're, we're carrying around everywhere that we go. But we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we have baggage. We're trying to avoid claiming that baggage so we just carry it around. If you're in the airport and you see people carrying all this stuff, they're struggling. On that day that I decided to, to carry on my luggage, I was struggling. We all have baggage. And here's what happens. We carry that baggage around. And after a while, we learn to compensate. After a while, we get to where we don't enjoy the journey at all. Because we're having to walk a little bit different to compensate for the baggage that we're carrying. I had that backpack over my shoulder and I was walking like this. People were looking at me. I was having to compensate because of what I was carrying. So how do we end up with this baggage? You say, Pastor, we all have baggage. Well, well how did we get there? There's five places that I want to talk about where our baggage comes from. First of all, I want to ask you the question, what are you carrying around that should not be part of this trip? What are you carrying around? What is it that you can get rid of? 
Where did it come from? The first thing I'll say is it unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Uh, we have things and we think that they should happen and, and they don't. And that creates anger. Anger comes from wanting something that you didn't get. You get angry. You get, you get disappointed. You think, God, is it's not supposed to be this way. I've got these expectations and they're not being fulfilled. And, and it's causing me to, to carry this baggage around. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. We have unrealistic expectations of this life. A lot of it I blame on the fact of the American gospel. Uh, because we believe that, that God is supposed to make earth heaven. He's supposed to give us heaven on earth. And we think that's just the way it's supposed to be. When in all reality, he, it's not going to be that way. Jesus came to rescue us from this earth. You're not going to have heaven on earth. But we think because of the society that we live in, and we think, man, we have it so good. And we do. We live in the, in the greatest country. We expect the best. We've been, it's been ingrained in us. Well, we do it to our kids. Uh, I used to, to coach baseball. And uh, I, we, we would tell the kids over and over again, do not swing at the high pitch. Do not swing at the high pitch. Do not swing at the high pitch. They step in the batter's box. Guess what they did? Swung at the high pitch. And you're sitting there as a coach just ready to pull your hair out. And then you've got this well-meaning, I, I was going to say mother, but I will say parent, okay? And they say, that's okay, Johnny. That's okay. You're still the best. And I'm thinking, no, he's not. <laughs> See, the object's to hit it. The object's to win. We're not out here to have a good time. <laughs> but we have to realize and understand that, that, that trying sometimes is not, trying hard sometimes is not going to be good enough. So when things don't go our way, when things happen and, and we become angry and discouraged or depressed, we have unfulfilled expectations and it weighs on us. Secondly, we have untreated pain. Untreated pain. Uh, I would take a survey, but, I, but I, I won't do it. But you can take this survey internally for yourself. How many people this morning, somebody asked you how you were doing, and you said, oh, I'm great. And on the inside, you're thinking, I'm terrible. We have the art of hiding things. We have the art of, of saying everything's okay when actually it's not. We have some untreated pain in our life and we just, we just tuck it away. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, Jeremiah prophesied this. He said, they have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. We say, we're good. Everything's okay. When actually we're not. And we have pain that's in us and it's untreated. We have pain and hurt and we just try to hide it. We've all been there. Uh, I've shared with you many times. I was there for most of 2020. You say, Pastor, you're, you're not supposed to say that. 
I just want you to know that it, that it happens. And we've been, it's been ingrained in us to have pain that, we, that goes untreated and it weighs on you. It's baggage. Thirdly, an unresolved yesterday. An unresolved yesterday. How many people have went to bed at night staring at the ceiling, mad as a hornet? You're thinking, man, husband and wife don't look at each other, okay? It's Easter. Let's play nice. But you sit there and, and you lay there and you're upset and you're angry. And can I tell you, here's the sad news on Easter. Stuff's going to happen. Things are going to happen in life. That's not the issue. The problem is, is that when things happen, instead of dealing with it, we put it off. We leave it unresolved. The Bible talks about something, uh, about the power of something not dealt with. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 27, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. He didn't just put that in there just because he needed a couple of verses to fill up a page. He understands that, that, that when we have anger and we let it and we dwell on it and we don't resolve it, that it is something that is something that we can't do and we can't deal with. And the Bible says, do not let the sun go down. You're going to have days that you're angry. Don't go to sleep on it. Settle the issues quickly. If you don't, the Bible says that you're giving the devil a foothold. I try my best not to let things stay on me, but I'm not always the best at it. Because sometimes it's a lot easier just to, to let it settle than to settle it. I'm not one that likes confrontation. But the, but the Bible says that when you have issues, don't let it go unresolved. Fourthly, an unhealthy view of self. We have baggage because we do not view ourselves in a healthy manner. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? We are taught to view ourselves the way that others view us. Somebody may look at you and say, you know what, you're, you're ugly. You may look in the mirror and think, uh, I, you know, it's Easter, so you have to take pictures, right? So my daughter and I were dressed while Christy was still getting dressed, and I said, let's take a picture. Snapped it, and I thought, man, you're old. Snapped another one. Supposed to hold it up here, right? I did that and I got my bald spot. Man, your forehead's big. I'm trying to comb my hair down. But but we view ourselves. Maybe you know. You may be the the person that was you know the eleventh uh, man picked on a ten man team. Basically, people is looking at you and saying, you're not very good. You have no skill. You're not popular. You don't have money. You know, anything, but, but we are taught to, that we have an unhealthy view of ourselves. And it creates low self-esteem. 
And can I tell you that God sees you different? And if your view of you is anything other than the way that God sees you, it's not accurate. You say, well, how does God see me? Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is, and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Paul is saying, he's saying, don't view yourself with these eyes. He says, that's not accurate. He said, you view yourself the way that God sees you, who God is and what he does in you. We carry around this this insecurity We carry around these thoughts and we have to understand that's not the way God sees us. God sees us in a completely different way. Lastly, unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin. Now notice, I didn't say unconfessed sin because it's different. Say, Pastor, What do you mean? There's many times that we confess our sins, but we don't repent of them. Because the actual meaning of repent is to change direction. You ever had somebody tell you that they were sorry, but they kept doing the same thing over and over and over again? They didn't change direction. They may have said they were sorry. They may have confessed their issue, but they didn't make a life change. And so many times it happens in our lives. We have unrepented sin. Psalm chapter 32, verse three and four says this. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the summer, into the drought of summer. He says, day and night, you kept silent. We have the weight of life and it's weighing on us. And we may confess our sin, but we don't walk out of that. We carry around the baggage of of wrong choices, of bad choices, of wrong friends. The first thing that I do when when someone comes and and they, they, they confess their sins and say, Pastor, you know, I want to do what's right. The first thing that I do, I say, it's awesome that you've done that, but now you've got to make some changes. You need to change your phone number because those people that you've been running with and those people that have helped get you in the position that you're in right now, you've got to do away with them because I've watched it over and over and over and over again. Someone will have a good moment and they want to do the right thing. They confess their sin, but then they go back and they don't walk out of their sin. They never change direction. And so they're living their life and and they feel like, that there's just no use because it seems like a vicious cycle over and over again. So you say, well, pastor, what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, on our last trip, when, when we went 
I told you I carried my bags. When we were getting ready to come back home, I looked at Christy and said, this is crazy. Why am I going to lug this bag around? And so I walked up, I laid it on the counter, and I said, you deal with it. You deal with it. I'm not carrying it around. And I was able to, to, to walk through the airport without dragging stuff behind me. I was able to, to, I was just free. I could walk free without anything, nothing weighing me down. I could close my eyes and not worry about somebody sticking a bomb in my bag. I went to stores. I, just, I was free. I didn't want the luggage weighing me down. And I made a decision to check it. One truth that can change your life. And this is the, the key passage for the next four weeks. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. It says, For though we walk in flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Here's the problem that we faced and the problem that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. We have worldly problems. The things that we face are because of this world and the sin that entered this world through Adam. The worldly problems. But the problem is, is that we have to understand that we cannot fix worldly problems with worldly solutions. Our problems that we have in the natural cannot be fixed that way. They need something supernatural. The reason that you're here this morning or you're watching today and you still have baggage is because you're trying to fix your problem with worldly solutions. I'm not against counseling. I'm not against medication. Not against any of that. But the reality is that there has to be, God has to be part of the equation. He has to be part of the equation. The word strongholds there, it's really the biblical word for, for baggage. You have things in your life that are attached to you. And it has a stronghold on you. That one area in your life, that one thing that keeps tripping you up, that one thing that you just can't seem to get past, it has a hold on you. The original language there in the Greek, it uses a word. And what that word means is it's a prisoner locked by deception. The word stronghold is basically a prisoner locked by deception. In other words, you are living your life according and by something that isn't even true. And the big idea of this message is that the baggage that you're carrying isn't based on reality. It is based on a lie. You'll never be free as long as you base your life on a lie. The Bible tells us that your adversary, the devil, that he is the father of lies. How do you combat a lie? 
You can bat a lie with what? Help me out. The truth. You can bat a lie with the truth. We need some truth in our lives. And over the next four weeks, I'm going to tell you the truth from God's word. I hope that this is not just a, just a, a one-time thing. I hope that, that I spark your interest enough that for the next four weeks that you'll come back and listen to the truth. Because here's the reality. If you come to church for maybe, we'll say, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday, if you're maybe part of a life group for an hour, an hour and a half during the week, probably at max, you're hearing the truth about three hours a week. The rest of the time, you know what you're hearing? Lies. The world is telling you lies. And so when you come in here, I want you to hear the truth. The truth is that you can trust God. The truth is, is that he has your best interest at heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, casting down arguments in every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It says you've got to, to bring those thoughts, those lies into captivity. Well, how do you do that? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to get to a point you say, you know what, God? I need you to, to change my thoughts. I need fresh thoughts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23 says, You were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Saying, listen, your old self, it's filled with deceit, and it's filled with lies. This is, you've got to throw it off. You need a new attitude in your mind. You have to believe that he is the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You say, Pastor, what's the truth? What's the truth? Very quickly, I want to tell you three things. These are the most important three things I'm going to say today because these are three truths from the Word of God. The first thing that you need to know to combat the lies of the enemy and the lies of this world is that God loves you. God loves you. The problem with religion is that it has convinced us that God wants perfection. It has convinced us that God wants our performance. We've been convinced that God is hard to please. We've been convinced that if, if we're not perfect, that God wants no part of us. And last week we talked about the perfect lamb. And we said that, that Jesus was the perfect lamb. And that the only way that we'll make it to heaven is if we're perfect. You say, well, pastor, I'm not perfect. No, you're not perfect. But through him, you're made perfect. We've convinced ourselves 
that God is sitting on his throne just waiting to strike us down. I want you to know this morning that the truth is that God loves you. I never truly could understand this until I had a child. And you think about your children. Sometimes they do things to disappoint you. Sometimes they go left when you tell them to go right. Sometimes they, you tell them to clean their room and they make it messier. But when they do things to disappoint you, you don't love them any less. Can I tell you that God's view of you is just like that? He's in love with you. You have to believe that truth. God isn't mad at you. He may not always like what we do, but, but the, the story of today, of Easter, is that he came to help us. John chapter three, verse 16 and 17. So this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to help. He loves you. Now listen, without any hesitancy, I can look at everyone here this morning and say, I love you. I love you. From the bottom of my heart, I love you. And I can also say without any hesitancy that if someone asked me to, to give my daughter for you, where do you want to be buried? Because I'm not going to do it. But God loved you that much. He loved you so much that he gave his only son for you. God loves you. That's the truth. Secondly, God can free you. God can free you. We have bought into this lie that this is how it's always going to be. Pastor, it's just the way it is. I can't be free. It's just the, the burden I have to bear. It's just, it's just the thorn in my side. It's just and we feel like that we'll never be free. You say, Pastor, you don't know how many times I've been to that altar. You don't know how many times I've cried. You don't know how many counseling sessions I've been to. You, you, you just don't know. This is just my life. The truth is God can free you. Don't give up on being free. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. says, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. You can be free. And my prayer is, is that this morning that worship has been a breath of fresh air and, and that the message maybe have, has made you think about some things, maybe some things that you've never really thought about or you've never been told that God loves you or that God can free you. You don't have to walk around 
with the baggage. It's your choice. Thirdly, God can restore you. God can restore you. Not too long ago, I started having some problems, and I even hate to admit this because I'll have some people let me know about it later. You don't know why, but I started having some problems with my iPhone. It's rare. Never happens. But I call Apple and I say, listen, I've had an iPhone since the very first iPhone. Never had any issues, but I'm having a problem. Can you, can you help me out? I said, sure. So I said, go to me and read this stuff. And I got down to applications, apps. And I had almost 300 apps on my phone. Those of you who don't know, that's a lot. I mean, it's scroll for days. And he said, you, 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 you use all those? I said, well, no. He said, well, you, you might want to get rid of some of them. I said, okay. He said, you've got two options. You can just delete the app. That may help a little bit. He said, but I'm going to tell you the best option. He said, you can just get rid of some things, but I'm going to tell you the best option. He said, the best option is, is go down to general settings, settings, general, reset. Erase the device. My heart sank. Like, Are you serious? He said, erase it. I said, but all my junk. He said, you don't need it. Get rid of it. <sighs> okay. He said, I'm going to stay on the phone with you. Now, I'm a technology guy, and, but in this moment, I was, I was a bit frightened. I wanted, I needed that security of that Apple technician. How, what I want to do. He said, no. He said, well, whatever you do, he said, you, you don't want to restore it to the backup. He said, because the phone's been made new. It's been restored to factory settings.
it's not just him just taking junk out of you. It's not him just looking and saying, well, you need to get rid of this, or you need to get rid of that. No, it says he makes you a brand new person. Brand new. You've got a fresh slate. He restores you. That junk that's back there, it stays back there. It's gone. Delete it from the iCloud. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm just not there yet. And I want to rededicate my life, make a a, a recommitment to Him. 
I committed to him at one point, but I've, I've walked away and I, I need to come back to him. Anybody say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's me. I've been living with the lies and the deceit, the strongholds. Anyone else? God can free you. Thank you. Come against the 
strongholds and the lies of the enemy. We're tired of the baggage. God, we want to be set free. Father, for all the hands that went up, Father, I am praying, I am asking, and I am believing that today will be the first day of the rest of someone's life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, behold, all things pass away, all things become new. In the name of Jesus, the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, the name of Jesus. Strongholds be broken, chains fall off in the name of Jesus. Nothing higher, nothing greater. If you raise your hand, the name of Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my life. All the power. I want to be free. All the glory to the name of Jesus. There's nothing stronger. Nothing higher, nothing greater than the name of Jesus. All the honor, all the power, all the glory to the name of Jesus. The cross has the come to this altar. The great thing about my God is, is that 
it doesn't take this. He says, all that you have to do is just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, repent, change direction. And when you do that, you're made new. You're made new. And I pray that something has been said this morning, that you've been challenged, but not only challenged, that you've been changed. Next week, uh, after our second service, we're going to do a baptism. And I encourage you, if you've never been baptized or, or, or maybe you, you've just recommitted yourself in your life to Christ and you want to be baptized again, you say, what does baptism mean? It is simply something that we're commanded to do, but it's just an, an outward sign of an inward promise to God. And it's symbolic of being cleansed. And so if you're interested in doing that, I already have several who have told me they want to be baptized next week. Listen, we'll baptize as long as it takes because there's something about when you go down and then you come up, it's just the symbolic the symbolism that I'm new, I'm clean, I'm whole. Thank you for being here. You want to do a song? Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Got to get my instructions. Listen, these guys, unbelievable. Here every morning, before I get out of bed, So they can tell me what they're going to do all they want. No, we've got a song of celebration. And uh, as they sing, if you, you, it'll be our dismissal. You can leave as, as they're singing. You ever had anybody walk out in the middle of your song? All the time. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you're not going to hurt his feelings. Listen, this song simply says, the cross has the final word. When he hung on that cross and said, it's finished, that's what he meant. Let's celebrate. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Evil may put up its strongest fight. The cross has the final thankful for the cross of Jesus. The cross has the final word. The cross